1: Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 387 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you?
0: I'm good. As you just told me seconds ago, this is a five Thursday, October. It is. So I we were. Almost didn't have ideas I suggested one to you earlier And you're like I thought of it last week So this is on you um, I, I know that we're close to Halloween But we like Shot our shot with all of our Halloween ones We th- Go listen to all of our episodes this month There's so many Halloween-y ones Between
1: Because we also write for the blog too Or drive blogs so between the blog and the podcast I'm kind of halloween out already. Yeah
0: I know I'm tapped out I haven't even gone to a Halloween party yet and I, my wife sent me a Google Hangouts chat this morning and she's like, if you think I've been looking at uh, Christmas stuff for the last two hours, I have been. I was like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: ready for the next season as well. Um, so, the, like the thing we get requests for the most via email that we never um, abide by is people asking for nonfiction. Correct. So, I thought it can be kind of Halloween centric if we do like strange but true, like You'll never believe that these nonfiction books are real. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I just needed a way to name this episode. Sorry. So we <laughs> so we each looked up basically autobiographies, biographies, nonfiction books, basically stuff that's like, wow, that's crazy that that actually happened. Um, but these are all nonfiction, and they're all hard to believe. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> it's like a ripley's believe it or not episode of the podcast um so before we get into those though do you want to tell people how they can get a hold of us
1: sure you can go to our website professionalbooknerds.com from there you can get all of our social links we're on instagram and twitter at ProBooknerds, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com
0: yes you can and if you listen to this on the day it comes out which is thursday And you are in Northeast Ohio or the surrounding areas. I think there's a few tickets left for the event that I'm doing with Michael Connolly at the Parma Snow branch of the Cuyahoga County Public Library. It's going to do an interview and then a meet and greet. Uh, So it's at 7 o'clock. So there's a few tickets left there. You can go to beyondbookjacket.com. That will be there. And then you're going to be in Michigan. I'm
1: going to be in Ann Arbor this weekend at the Westgate branch of the ann arbor uh public library at 2 p.m on saturday so you can come hang out hear me talk about my book yeah behind bars which is also an unbelievable memoir
0: it's unbelievable yeah oh man you should have put that in your list no (laughs) it's hard to believe that this thing is actually happening um so yeah and i think that's everything Mm -hmm. for like the housekeeping stuff um Yeah, okay. So let's just get into these. We'll just go back and forth like we always did. Uh, You said you have like five or six-ish? Okay. Um, I'm nervous that the first one we might both have just because we talked to the author a long, long time ago, but I put Radium Girls on here. No? Okay, cool. All right, so if you're a long-time listener to the podcast, you may remember that we had Kate Moore on like a long, long time ago. Uh, She wrote a book called The Radium Girls, The Dark Story of America's Shining Women. So I didn't know much about this when – we first interviewed her, uh, and I was blown away by the book. So it's this true story of these women. Um, they basically, when the Curie family discovered radium, uh, there was everyone was like blown away by it. They were calling it this wonder drug. They thought that it was. Uh, going to be incredible for the medical community and for the beauty community. And there were people taking radium. This is insane to think about now. But people were taking radium and they were making like body lotion. Or they were putting it in tonic water. Um, all sorts of stuff. And then something that they were also doing is they were putting radium onto the dials of wristwatches. And so in order to do that, there were these factories of radium dials. And these women would work there. And they would literally like use small paintbrushes to paint on the radium and they would dip the paintbrush like into their mouth to basically make a small point and then they would put the radium on it and then they would paint and then they would take that radium and they would put it right back in their mouth. And so they were basically poisoning themselves with radium for years and years. And that part is absurd in and of itself. Uh, then they basically tried to go to the owners of these factories and be like, Hey, You're killing us. And the factory workers are like, No, you're not. Even though there were all these young women who were like in their early 20s that were all like beginning to show signs of cancer and they were dying and they were just like, Oh, no, 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 everything's fine. Um, And so people initially, when they would start working at these factories, they would be like literally like shiny, like they would almost like glow in the dark. And people were like, Oh my God, you look so radiant and beautiful. And they thought it was a good thing until again, they started dying. And so (laughs) this book tells that story. (laughs) And then also goes into their legal battle to basically prove that this is horrible and um, it laid the groundwork for a lot of the uh, laws that have been passed for like labor and factory workers and all sorts of stuff. So Radium Girls is insane. It is, It blew my mind. So that's by Kate Moore. And if you haven't read it, if you can go back and listen to the episode of the podcast, just search for it on our website because I didn't look up what – interview it was, but it was in, like, the 50s or oh, 60s. Oh, yeah, it was a really fun. Uh, so it's so good, though. I highly recommend it.
1: So my next one is called A False Report by T... Did I say next or first?
0: You said next, <laughs> but I was just going to let you go with it. I wasn't going to call you out. It's okay. We're both, we're both so busy lately, and we're so I feel like we're both so tired.
1: My first one <laughs> is called A False Report by T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. So if you have... um watched the netflix tv show unbelievable this is uh the same story so those who have not watched unbelievable which you should it's very good it's it's a difficult watch and it's it's a difficult book but um a false report um basically tells two stories kind of happening at once there is a girl um in her early 20s uh marie who um says she is raped in the middle of the night. Someone breaks into her house and ties her up and um, and rapes her. And then she later recamps that story and then um, comes back later and is like, well, maybe I didn't actually make it up. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. so not entirely clear. So the cops don't believe her and they close her case. Then a couple of years later, there are two um, police detectives, women police detectives in a completely different state who – are um, investigating rapes that have a very similar uh, pattern in terms of what the rapist does, breaking in, tying people up. Um, And they're very similar to what Marie had gone through, but it's different states. Systems don't really communicate with each other. Um, And the entire thing is just infuriating on many levels. (laughs) Uh, So the TV show Unbelievable... um, there was an article first that came out um, a couple years ago that T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong wrote. And then they had this book that came out, I think, two years ago, last year. I read an arc of it so long ago. I don't remember. <laughs> uh-huh. But it was really, really good. And it definitely is one of those things where you're just reading this, like, how I don't understand how this is happening. <laughs> yeah. In our worlds today because it's within, you know, like, the last ten or Some years, Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing So that's a false report
0: Nice. Um, My next one Is The Poisoner's Handbook by Deborah Blum, Uh, I might have talked About this at some point We've been doing this podcast for a few years And there's only so many books Um, But this is, it's basically It's like equal parts true crime And also historical, but also Some science thriller-ness in there So what the book does is each Chapter or section starts With a a gruesome crime that is uh done like a, a murder that is caused by poison and it can be of various types of poison and it follows throughout the timeline of like the late 1800s and the early 1900s and it goes through what the crime was and then it explains how these toxicologists that worked in the coroner's offices were trying to explain like hey this is all illegal. We need to find ways to stop and be able to like find how people are using like rat poison and different stuff to, to kill people. And so this is the story of basically how toxicology became a part of the like this how the scientific work became a part of the political or the police aspect of it. And it's really, really interesting and in the way that Deborah Blum does the book is super unique because it could just be a pretty straightforward, like, here was a poison and here's how they determined that you should uh, test for it. But what she does is she turns it into almost like science fiction where it's hard to believe, but all these things actually happened. And um, it's crazy to think that even, like, a hundred years ago, the way that um, people were working in police offices and just, like, kind of guessing, like, oh, this person was probably guilty. Mm -hmm. Or, like, if they didn't catch someone within, like, you know, the first 24 hours, it was, like, Well, that's another murder. I guess we're just going to leave it at that. So it's really, really interesting. And um, I learned about all sorts of poisons that I didn't know existed. So that's probably (laughs) also an interesting part of it. Not how to use them, obviously, but just that they.
1: I mean, I don't know. And also,
0: it's Jazz Age New York. So it's like, you know.
1: That's also great. Exactly. Always good. Uh, My next one is A Long Way Gone by Ishmael Beah. So... In the, all of the conflicts that are happening across the world, it is estimated that there are 300,000 child soldiers.
0: What? Ugh.
1: So Ishmael Beah was uh, he used to be one of them. So this is his memoir, um, and it sort of looks at war through the eyes of a child soldier. You know, like, how does one become a child soldier? And yeah. what does that mean? And... Um, how does one stop being a child soldier if you do? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to imagine because we live in where we live. Obviously, that's not a thing, but mm-hmm. this happens every day all over the world. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's yeah. such a big number. It's a, yeah. <sighs> yes, it is. What was the name of that one again?
1: It was uh, A Long Way Gone.
0: Oof. Um, I'm going to uh, brighten things up a little bit so this one i've talked about in the past i know but i just want to briefly mention it always look on the bright side of life by eric idol eric idol is one of the members of monty python uh and it's just his autobiography and i recommend the the audiobook because he reads it but he um because of the popularity of monty python uh there he like he rubbed shoulders of his friends like his his best friends with like steve martin and paul simon and lauren michaels and michael nichols and like all of the beatles and robin williams and david bowie and uh, george harrison was literally his best friend and like it is just this story of he know and he even says in the beginning of the book he's like i'm gonna talk about famous people and it's gonna sound like i'm very pompous because I'm name dropping, but these are really the only people I hung out with Mm -hmm. are equally famous people. And he tells all these interesting stories about how he wrote Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Like he recorded in one take on his bedroom floor with like a crappy recorder. And now it's the most played song at funerals in the UK, which he thinks is hilarious. Um, And just like all these stories about him and George Harrison wandering around in England and like breaking laws kind of not like, Violent laws, but like doing things that you shouldn't, and people being like, you can't do that. And like, who's gonna arrest a beetle and a python? Like, it's just his life is wild. And um, so, and it's very funny if you're a fan of, you know, Life of Brian or Monty, uh, Monty Python, and the Holy Grail, uh, or their show Spam a Lot. Like, there's just, the, the, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it's Monty Python. So, always like on the bright side of life, it's just a really, really fun look into a life of a person who's just ludicrously famous and also ludicrously talented
1: I like how you're all like i want gonna brighten it up and I'm like no thank you yeah
0: that's uh, okay I think that's the only one. I have like one more that's sort of nice but the rest of them are a little bit not
1: great <laughs> um my next one is which one do I want to go with okay definitely not happy bright oh. side of life situation here um so this is Jesus Land by Julia Shearis
0: I see it it's fun that right off of life of brian this is gonna uh, be fun
1: not really no it is not <laughs>
0: yeah I know, I know
1: okay so um when julia was uh 16 um she and her adopted brother david um are sent to a uh reform school okay a religious reform school oh so no. yeah so julia is white david is black um, not just a reform school, a reform school in the Dominican Republic.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, and it's sort of sold as like a I mean it's a reform school, so you imagine some <laughs> things are going to be happening. Uh-huh. But yeah, this school uh is pretty much built on very violent disciplinary regime. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> It's a true story. I actually saw a documentary about um, the school, which is called the Escuela Caribe. It came out a couple of years ago called Kidnapped for Christ was the documentary. And uh, Julia was uh, interviewed Mm -hmm. in the documentary about her experiences and her experiences with her brother um, going to the school. And uh, it's intense. Yeah, I would imagine (laughs) so. Yeah. I mean, they have like, you know, like locked rooms, you know, where they like send them away, where they're sort of. Ugh. solitary you know they um, restrict food they make them run up there's this uh, I mean it's in the Dominican Republic there's big you know mountain hill type things have to like run up and down them Ugh. yeah I hate this yeah this is upsetting it is so all,
0: gotta...
1: all in the name of a religious reform school. is there a happy ending I can't really answer that okay. one
0: okay <laughs> All right. Um, what was the name of that?
1: Jesus Land. So I
0: can know to never accidentally read it?
1: Correct. Sheesh.
0: Um, man.
1: I don't do happy books.
0: I Yeah, I, seriously. All right. My next one is The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Henrietta Lacks. Um, by Rebecca Skloot, I think her last name is pronounced. This is very well known. It's a number one New York Times bestseller. It was a film starring Oprah Winfrey, but um, it's just a super interesting story. So Henrietta Lacks was a poor black tobacco farmer. And her cells, unbeknownst to her, were taken in 1951 from her body and uh, basically became the most important thing in medicine. Uh, it, Her cells were used to develop the polio vaccine and cloning and gene mapping and a whole bunch more. Um, but like, she's basically virtually unknown. Her family can't even afford health insurance. Um, and it's just like this story about a mix of like ethics and race and medicine and all this scientific discovery that came from Henrietta's cells, but her family who never really like even knew her. So it's just, it's super interesting. Um, Also a little bit depressing, Mm
1: -hmm. not like
0: a super lot of happy Mm nonfiction books that we could find. Um, But if you haven't read the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, I think we read it in college. I want to say it was like a, one that we had to read. Um, it's very good. So, you want to be Debbie Downer over there again, Jill? What do we,
1: what do we get? This one is somewhat Debbie Downer, <laughs> but not quite as much. Okay. Um, so, this is Smoke It's in Your Eye by, by Caitlin Dowdy. So, she, Caitlin, worked at a cremation and burial <laughs> okay. um, uh, facility when she was 23 years old. And she just sort of like threw herself into it and began to do research and learn kind of about. Um, various death rituals around uh, here in the United States and just other cultures in general, which I think is a very interesting topic. Um, and she, in the description, it says, she pleads the case for healthier attitudes around death and dying. Which I was like, yeah. Okay. See, this yeah, one, that, I'm okay with. Yeah. yeah.
0: Are you going to, like, drop a hammer on me? I don't no, know where this, okay. no, no,
1: no. She, I mean... It, it mentions full bizarre encounters, gallows humor, naturally, uh-huh. um, vivid characters, both living and very dead. <laughs> this illuminating account makes this otherwise terrifying subject inviting and fascinating. See
0: this? I can get behind. This is understandable. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that is Smoke Gets in Your Eyes.
0: Uh, my next one is called What If by Randall Munro. Uh, if that name sounds somewhat familiar to you, Randall Monroe is the creator of the webcomic X... K-C-D. um it's just xkcd.com like literally millions of people go there all the time and it's a scientific uh it's like a science technology stick figure comic and it's so funny and what he does is he gets these questions all the time from people and Randall has a background in science and so he answers them extremely scientifically um and so <laughs> Some of the questions, this is nonfiction, he takes all these absurd questions and provides absurd answers to them. So people will ask him, like, what would happen if you tried to hit a baseball pitched at 90% of, of the l- speed of light? Or like, how fast can you hit a speed bump while driving and still live? Uh, if there was a robot apocalypse, how long would humanity survive? And so he runs these absurd computer simulations and goes to like uh, declassified military information. And he solves these equations in just, like, ludicrously absurd ways. Um, but they're so funny, and they actually are true. And then he puts them into these stick figure comics that he he writes all the time. They're so funny, and um, it's almost like a Rube Goldberg machine mm-hmm. come-to-life type of a thing. So um, he takes absurd hypothetical questions and gives you serious scientific answers about them so and bonus um it's if you listen to the audiobook you're losing out on the comics but the narrator is will wheaton so oh. yes mm. so that's called what if serious scientific answers to absurd hypothetical questions
1: all right i feel bad for all my downers so i ha- i found a last a late minute uh mm. Mm. fun one okay. which is live from new york okay all about SNL. yeah I mean, when you think about SNL, it just, how, you know what I mean? Like, Lauren Michaels just sort of, like, went to the NBC executives and was like, I have this mm-hmm. idea.
0: It's so, oh my god, it's so good. Um, do you have, because this, this is pretty self explanatory do you have a favorite, like, cast member in SNL? Because I remember being obsessed when I was in, like, middle school and grades, like, junior high and high school, I would... My friends and I would watch um, all the time, and like almost by default, we had the the VHS of they would do the best ofs of specific people, and we had the VHS best of sure. Chris Farley, and then we also had one of um, Will Ferrell, uh, mm-hmm. and they're yeah. great. And be- uh, like I f- like the Chris Chris Farley is my favorite, but I feel like I'm clouded because I've see like I can still see yeah all of his things over and over in my head
1: if i have a favorite
0: mm-hmm.
1: i feel like the chris farley era is probably i mean i can't i don't know if i can pick like an individual but that era yeah is probably
0: my favorite i mean because there is adam sandler and, and actually will ferrell ended up being some of, that, some of that too and david spade who i weirdly love i love
1: david spade
0: um speaking of i didn't put his in here but he has a memoir where he talk, he t- tells all the stories about Chris Farley and him being best friends, and it's very, very sweet. You know, he has a show, on um, I think it's on Comedy Central, and he's also extremely funny on Instagram. David Spade is incredible. Like, there's so much about David Spade that it's just like. Also, he's related to his family is of the Kate Spade family.
1: Indeed, that is true. This
0: hit a tangent, but I agree. I think that was like the best time, at least for us. Like, I feel like that was
1: the best time. Yeah. yeah.
0: Unless there's people who are older than us and they'll say like when it first started sure. and there was well, sure. like the first time through. Yeah.
1: So. It just like became this huge thing.
0: What's the actual name of that again? You said
1: Live from New York.
0: Ah, that makes sense, yes, yes. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, okay. How many more do you have? I have one more. Okay. So I no I one already talked about that. Um I have one called American Predator. Which this is a this is a Joe book more than me. Oh, great! It's the hunt for the most meticulous serial killer <gasps> of the 21st century. Heck yeah! By Maureen Callahan. You had so I didn't. I was wondering if you had heard of this. I'm not. Okay. What's it again? So it is American Predator, the hunt for the most meticulous serial killer of the 21st century. I will read you the description because I haven't read this because this is a Joe book. This is not an Adam book. Uh, Ted Bundy. John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, the names of notorious serial killers are usually well known and they echo in news and public consciousness, but most people have never heard of Israel Keys. Have you heard of Israel Keys? I've not. This is crazy. Okay. He is one of the most ambitious and terrifying serial killers in modern history. The FBI considered his behavior unprecedented described by a prosecutor as a force of pure evil. Keys was a predator who struck all over the United States. He buried kill kits, cash weapons and body disposal tools in remote locations across the country. Over the course of 14 years, Keys would fly to a city, rent a car and drive thousands of miles in order to use one of these kits. He would break into a stranger's house, abduct the victim in broad daylight Kill them, dispose of them in mere hours, and then return home to Alaska, returning to his life as a quiet, reliable construction worker devoted to his only daughter. You can't see the faces that Jill is making right now, but they're incredible. Uh, when journalist Maureen Callahan first heard about Israel Keys in 2012, she was captivated by how a killer of this magnitude could go undetected by law enforcement for over a decade, and so began a project that consumed her for the next several years, uncovering the true story behind how the FBI ultimately caught Israel Keyes and trying to understand what it means for a killer like him to exist.
1: How did I miss this? I
0: don't know. Um, it, it is very upsetting to me, but also it does sound very interesting. But the first thing I did was put this on the list, and then I sent a message uh, to my friend Julia, who is obsessed with all of these things. And I was like, I'm not going to read this, but you would love it. And it's again, it, it's a Joe book. so
1: Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have my Libby app with me, so I can't check it out right now because mm. I don't remember
0: my library card. Yeah, same. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Um, okay, my last one is "Brain on Fire" by Susanna Cahalan. So, when she was 24 years old, Susanna woke up alone in a hospital room, strapped to her bed and unable to move or speak. She had no memory of how she got there. Days earlier, she had been on the threshold of a new adult life, at the beginning of her first serious relationship, and had a promising career at a major New York newspaper. Now she was labeled violent, psychotic, and a flight risk. What happened? That's an excellent question. Excellent question. What happened? So, um, yeah, Susanna talks about what happened and led her to end up um in a hospital room labeled violent and psychotic just all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, it's I feel uh, that book I it's I've, like terrifying. That's I know. That's That's uh there's a a joke in the show Archer where they like the mother of Archer threatens him. He's like, if you ever do what you just did again, you will wake up in a hospital with total amnesia and no identification to your name and he's just like, Good lord I'm like, Yeah, that's that's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I have one more and I know I've talked about in the past, but it's The Year of Living Biblically by A.J. Jacobs. Um, A.J. Jacobs is one of these people who he goes to the extreme of doing something for a long amount of time and like a a unique project. And this was one of the first ones he did where he literally lived only by laws you can find in the Bible for a full year. So avoiding shellfish was really easy. Um, Stoning adulterers proved to be a little bit more difficult and potentially controversial. Um and so basically he did everything. He grew out his beard. He wore specific types of clothes. He interacted with people. Basically, he lived the rules of the Bible as literal as possible. And part of it is you know fun and and interesting to see how that could possibly happen. But also he does discuss how he um kind of rediscovered his own faith and all sorts of stuff. It's very very interesting. And he happened to be the first author I ever like reached out to. I think I told the story, but yeah. I was in uh law i oh, not i didn't go to law school i was uh, i was in graduate school and i like, reached out to him when i read this via email and he like responded to me and he was very very nice and like talked back and forth with me for a few times so now we talk to authors all, all the time but aj jacobs was the first ever one i like connected with which was cool so it's very unique he also has he has a couple of different books that he does similar things um where like one is just called know-it-all where he tried to read every part of Encyclopedia Britannica and just like um, all sorts of interesting stuff that he does. So uh, that's The Year of Living Biblically by A.J. Jacobs, which is hard to say. So I feel like it was like we had some ups and downs here. Yeah. Mostly downs. Yeah. (laughs) But um, if you'd like some more nonfiction, you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Maybe tell us some of the things you're interested in first and then we will um, give you some responses. Don't just say I like nonfiction. That's so broad. It's a little broad. Yeah. um, Anything else you think people should know about? I don't think so. I want to do something down the road a little bit. Um, Did you watch Watchmen on HBO? The first episode just came out.
1: Sort of. My husband watched it.
0: (laughs) Okay. I watched it. All right. I think I, I want to give it a few episodes to see if it's worth talking about, but I think I might want to talk about it because I'm obsessed with it. I I spent like an hour last night after we watched the episode deep diving into all the things in the comic. so mm-hmm. maybe we'll do that down the road, but only if you actually watch it and are interested in it. Um, okay, I think that's everything. And that's it. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed this wild emotional episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast.